Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 11. And if you're here, if you could stand for the word of God, we'll get ready to read. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my shares of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the young son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his father, threw his arms around him and kissed him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against you and against heaven. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. My son of my, the son of mine has, uh, was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked, and asked him what was going on. The brother has come, your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, come home, you killed a fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Let's uh, repeat our scripture declaration. Lord, we honor your word to us. May your truth become a harsh pursuit in our lives practice. 
Father God, I just want to thank you, Lord, today. I want to thank you for the many blessings that you have provided each and every one of us. Even when we don't feel like we're being blessed, we are very blessed. And I want to thank you, Lord, Father, for Father's Day today. I want to thank you for the many fathers out there. And I just ask you, Lord, Father, today to, to put in our hearts a sense of humbleness, a sense of reflection, and a sense of, Lord, Father, understanding that we can be better towards you in order to grow our kids and imprint on them. I ask you, Lord, Father, to help us, Lord, Father, have grace. Help us, Lord, Father, to teach. Help us, Lord, Father, to learn from our kids. And I ask you, Lord, Father, to touch each and every one of our kids in a way where their hearts are being imprinted, Lord, Father, with the things that you have instilled within us to teach them. And I just thank you, Lord, Father, for the many blessings that you've given this church. And I ask you, Lord, Father, as our pastor come up here to preach, to touch each and every one of us. Let our ears hear what he's saying and let it touch and reach inside our heart so that we may be transformed so that we can live for you. In the name of Jesus, amen. So much, Peter. I appreciate it. And uh, everyone, it's good to see you here on Father's Day. Thank you for being a part of today's worship service. Um, I am teaching and preaching in a teaching series today uh, called Changing the World in a Changing Time. And the truth of the matter is, is that I don't have to tell you how things are just changing so dramatically and so quickly. There's no doubt that you're aware of it, and uh, you can even feel, I think, for most of us, that the ground is almost shifting underneath our feet uh, when it comes to just the type of world that we are a part of and how we're relating to it. There's lots of reasons for that, and uh, I won't go into most of those today. I will mention those, uh, you know, kind of in passing but I want to talk about those things today which are timeless and which are incredibly important, but not necessarily urgent. And I want to be very clear, if you are a person who's read some of the Stephen Covey books and that kind of thing, you'll know that uh, if, if you're not familiar, Stephen Covey is like the seven habits of highly effective uh, people or something along those lines. One of the things that he says that is so incredibly insightful uh, that you probably know but haven't really stopped to think about is, is the fact that the truth is most of the things that are really, really important in your life are not necessarily urgent things. They don't come and tug on your sleeve. They don't come and tell you, you've got to do this and you've got to do this right now. And so that is why so many of us can get off track. And I know that as today we talk about Father's Day, there are going to be some of you here today who think about Father's Day the way that I do, the way that Eric mentioned that he does. That, you know, we think about our Father and we are thankful and grateful that God has placed somebody that is an a, a earthly representation of a heavenly Father who loves and cares about. I'm not saying my dad was perfect and as a matter of fact, if you know my dad uh, or have ever met him or know a little bit of the story behind who my dad is, he is actually a pastor. But let me just be very clear about something. I know that some of you think that living with or being a pastor means that you're perfect. But the truth of the matter is, is that most pastors' kids want nothing whatsoever to do with the ministry. They run away from it because they know it's A, difficult, or their father was not necessarily the same person out behind the pulpit as he was here in, you know, on the stage. 
I know that I am here today and I am behind this pulpit and I'm you know, pursuing this line in career and calling because of the fact that my father was the same man, if not a better man, when he was at home alone with us, that he was behind the pulpit. And I don't think that that is something that is a coincidence that made me want to pursue that, uh, but he was the one who was the example of it. And so as I share some things with you today, I know that some of you can't relate at all. For some of you, as we talk about Father's Day, it's a difficult day because you wanted more from your dad than you got, or you had a bad relationship, or maybe even he was absent from your life altogether. And there's all different kinds of ways in between that you could feel about your father. And so today is probably a bittersweet day. But I want to just say this, I know that as I look out over this uh, sanctuary and worship center that um, today is definitely less full than the norm, um, but as I look out and I know where you usually sit and I think about you when you sit here or there or in your normal spot, I'm incredibly grateful for the fathers that we have in this church body. There's some incredible men and there's some incredible uh, men yet to become. There are some men who are perfect examples of the fact that it is never too late to make things right and to go back and rebegin the things that you should have done or wish you had done maybe decades ago. And so I'm here to tell you that if you are still breathing in air and you are a father, you don't have to apologize and say, I'm sorry, and let's just leave it at that. No, you can still do something about that relationship. If you know a little bit of my background, you know that I've spent a little bit of time in hospice as a chaplain. And if you don't know what that means, that means that I was there uh, by the side of a lot of people as they left this life and went into the next. And one of the things that was a big part of that job was, was to talk to people after the fact or even before the fact and deal with things that they hadn't dealt with sometimes for decades right before someone left this earth and went into the presence of God. And so it is incredibly important for you to hear what I say when I tell you, I can promise you I never had one single person say, I don't want to talk to them because it's just too late. I've had lots of people express the, the concept and the idea that it's better late than never, and it doesn't undo these things, but at least we can have some good memories. But I've never one single time heard people who many of them had incredibly difficult lives with their fathers. They never have said to me, it's too late and I want no part of it. Most of the time, you need to hear and understand that there is still an opportunity for you to make an impact as a dad. And so even if you haven't lived up to all that you could have been, it is still your opportunity. And I want to challenge our men today, and I'm mainly going to be talking to them, but I want to understand as well what we can do as other people around those who are fathers to encourage them, to challenge them, to be a blessing to them, to bring out the best in them, not just simply let them go out there and try their best or even struggle without us being there by their side. Let me just say with you uh, today, <laughs> I told you my dad was a pastor, okay? 
And uh, by the way, I'm talking to you on chat, and I want you guys to talk back to me. As we had said before over the last few weeks, man, put in amens on there. I'm looking at those every week. Some of you aren't giving me the amens that you would be if you were here in person, and that hurts. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm hurt a little bit about that. My heart is a little heavy. You better give me some amens on those chats and uh, let me know what you're amening. Don't just throw in amen. I see some of you, and I could call your name right now. You're going to be Mr. Funny Guy. You're going to say amen, but you're not going to say why. I want you to know, you know, you've got to tell me what's going on and how the Lord is speaking to you because this is a two-way conversation. So here's what I want to tell you. My dad was a guy who preached and taught out of the King James Version. Now, some of you love the King James Version. Some of you don't even know what the King James Version is. That's what I love about our church. It's not a bunch of folks that have just constantly been in church, but it's a lot of brand new people to religion and brand new people to this relationship with Christ. So if you don't know what the King James Version is, you've probably heard of it. Uh, It's one of those that sounds a little bit more like uh, Middle English, you know, the these and the thous. And some of you love it and some of you are not necessarily that familiar. But my dad preached out of the King James Version. And so when I got a little older and I started really getting serious about my my relationship with God, I started reading out of the NIV. That's part of why I preach out of the NIV today. And so as I was reading out of the NIV, the gospel just kind of came alive and this relationship with God got a little easier for me to grasp and understand. And it seemed like God was drawing a little closer through those things that I could understand just a little bit better. But it was interesting because I eventually accepted the call to come and be a pastor and a preacher, and I would stand up and I'd start preaching. And as I would start preaching, I would preach, and then I'd have a verse of Scripture come to my mind. And instead of quoting it in the NIV, y'all know where I'm going with this? I start quoting it in the King James Version. Now, let me be very clear. I was that pastor's kid that everybody went, oh, that's the pastor's kid. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Don't, don't act like you don't, all right? You know what I'm talking about. That's the pastor's kid. Don't hang out with him because he will corrupt you, right? That's the kind of pastor's kid that I kind of had that reputation for being. I was sitting on the back row. I'd been called down by name from the pulpit a few times. Dad, if you're watching, still haven't forg- forgiven you for that, all right? I'm not going to say it's okay. But here's what we know. Like, I just knew that I didn't care, that I wasn't listening, that I had nothing to do with what my dad was saying. And guess what? I stood behind the pulpit, and I'd been reading and studying and reading and studying and reading and studying in the NIV, and then I opened my mouth, and all of those words that I thought that I didn't care enough to listen to started pouring out of my mouth. And I realized, wow, God, thank you for a father that planted the seeds even when I was not receptive soil. Amen? I mean, aren't you glad that God is still working and using his word to accomplish his purposes even when you are running in the opposite direction? That, that song fierce that we sang a little earlier, the one that he says, you chase me down and you seek me out. You're the one who is seeking after me, not the other way around. But it is a beautiful thing to understand that when God is speaking, there's a ripple effect from us as it goes outward. It makes influencing things happen as they go outward from us. And as, as preachers, we see it, I guess. But as fathers, you might not see it quite as often. But I'm here to tell you that as a father, we care about those things that are going on in our kids' lives and they care more about your thoughts, your opinions, your viewpoints, your worldview than they would ever let on. And as Eric mentioned, 
There is so many times, there have been so many times in my own life where it was not easy for me to see what God was using to plant in me, but yet I found it later and it was there. So don't grow weary. You know, as Jesus spoke about, and I talked about this last week, about how so many times Jesus used the words, he who has ears, let him hear. And we talked a little bit about the concept of the four different soils. And we talked about there are different types of soil, but there are also people like me who at one time are one kind of soil and later become a different kind. And so we talked last week about being the right kind of sower, and you can see that up here on the screen as you look. The right kind of sower is not somebody who's concerned and placing each and every piece where it's supposed to go. You just scatter the seed. You just throw it and let God handle the outcome. And you be consistent because you want to see a change in your world. It begins in that inside circle with your closest people, the people that are closest to you, like your own children, your own immediate family, and it ripples out. But you've got to be unconcerned and just say, I know this is right. I don't know who's getting it. I don't know who's open to this right now, but I'm going to just keep scattering this seed. And we can never lose sight of that. Now, very quickly, I want to just call attention to something that you probably already know. You may or may not have thought about it, but go back all the way to Genesis about the creation of man and woman and how God created them both. And I want to just tell you something. God created us different. And as I speak today, I'm going to be talking some to you ladies. I'm mainly going to be focusing on you men. But I want to talk with you and understand very clearly God created us different. You see in Genesis chapter 1, it's almost like a, a, a lyrical setup and structure of the scriptures. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. It is no accident that we are different. And if you have a boy or a girl, or especially if you have a boy and a girl, it don't take much to figure out they're different. I mean, just look at this. Like, right? This is just perfect. I know some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. I fortunately had a bunch of little girls, so I didn't have to clean up as many messes, but I had to always worry about breaking one of them out in tears with something I said and didn't even understand that I said something wrong. So here is the truth. The truth of the matter is, is for us, we are created different, and we don't have to be apologetic for that. Now, I want to just say something, and I'm not complaining at all, but I want to be very clear about something. You look in our world today, and one of the things that you will constantly see is, is that manhood is not necessarily being honored. It is most of the time being torn down. And I believe that that is to our own detriment as a society. And I know that we as men are getting a lot of mixed signals about what it means to really truly be a man. And so I want to talk today from that passage of scripture that we just spoke about from Luke chapter 15 about the lost son and the father who welcomed him home. But I want to just make sure that you understand something. You were created different. I know for me personally, that on the left looked like tons of fun all of my life, and probably, truth be told, still does. And on the right, nah, not so much. That's not for me. But I know that some of you feel very differently. Well, here is what I would say to you, no doubt about it. You can't miss this. Men, even though we are not being honored for being different, and we're trying to be constantly given a different way to be and to act, here's what I would say. 
You don't have to apologize for how you're shaped by God, the way that he created you. You don't have to apologize for that. But what you do have to do is you have to be responsible enough to maximize how God has shaped you. And I'm going to just tell you something. I've always wanted to be the superhero. I've always wanted to be the one who rescued somebody who was struggling and having somebody that needed to be by their side and fought for them for what was right. And I believe that there are a lot of men that feel the same way and it begins in our own home. That we want to be the protector and we want to be the one who's there to provide the needs that you have. And I'm not going to apologize for that because that's how God created me and that's how he shaped me. But here's what I'm going to say. If I'm not shaped to maximize those inclinations to be a blessing to other people, I've missed the whole point. And if you are a person who is shaped a certain way and you go down that road, but it doesn't benefit and bless those around you, you've missed the whole point. You don't have to apologize for being shaped that way. What you do have to do is you do have to maximize that use to be a blessing in the people's lives that you're trying to see change and trying to see different. Can I get an amen on that, amen? All right, I'm gonna give you one more chance because that was really, really, really quiet. I'm gonna give you one more chance. Can I get an amen on that? All right, so get out there and be a part of being a blessing, not just simply somebody who's been shaped one way and not making a difference. Here's what I mean. I'm going to talk in just a minute about how we're created for different speeds and how we have to master three different speeds. But here's what I would say to you. Like, if you are a person who loves to earn and does great in your sector of work, and you love that part of your life, but you struggle in some other areas that are a little more relational, you don't have to be a person who says, I'm going to become totally relational and totally forget these things. You don't have to be that. As a matter of fact, many people are created for that, and they do incredibly well with this. You don't have to apologize for that, men or women. But here's what I would say. If you are a person who earns and does very, very well in that area, but your kids are dressed like this, like if this is how your kids are dressed, and you get a raise and you say, this is great because now I can go off and buy one of these and you can see this on this next picture. Like if that's your first idea, whenever you're a person who gets a raise, you're probably in a place where you need to re-examine where you are because the truth is, is if you're a person who does great in the earning and the, the things that you're doing out in the, the public sector, but you have no choice, uh, no um, desire to benefit those who love you and who you're responsible for, you've missed the whole point of how God can use you to be a blessing. So very quickly, I just want to say, Whatever you look like and whatever looks like parenthood and fatherhood to you, you don't have to apologize, but maximize that instead. Now, I'm going to just show you another picture here. Uh, I know that there are probably a bunch of you dads, you're not very good with this, right? You're not great about like telling little secrets. You're not good at telling little secrets and having tea parties, you know? I mean, I had a few tea parties in my day. I, like I said, I had three daughters. And uh, fortunately, they had one another to have tea parties with most of the time. But occasionally, I had tea parties. Any of you dads in here had a tea party with your daughter? Can I see a couple of hands, right? Okay, so here's what I know 
it was always tough for me because that wasn't my idea of fatherhood. But can I tell you something? Let me just click to this next one. Maybe that's more your idea of fatherhood, all right? Going out near a lake, going out near the mountains, you don't have to undo that. Go and take your kids. And I'm gonna tell you something. Hey, listen, I have taken my girls in some crazy places and some wonderful you know, memories that we have. And it looked a whole lot more than that, like that than it did like a tea party. So it's not a bad thing. Now, I also wanna just say again, you gotta maximize how God has shaped you. You don't have to apologize for it, but you gotta maximize it. Here's what I wanna show you. This next slide right here, this is fatherhood to a lot of fathers, right? I mean, you love to wrestle, you love to have a good time, and you think to yourself, this is great because God gave me boys, right? Okay, well, here I wanna say something. I had three daughters, but I used to wrestle my daughters, and to this day, they tell me that their favorite memories of them as little girls was, guess what? When dad would wrestle the girls. So I would take them, I'd throw them all, I, listen, CPS, listen to the whole story, okay? But I would take them and I'd throw them on the softest part of the couch with lots of pillows, all right? So I would do that, and I'd put them between pillows, and I'd roll around on the floor with them, and they loved it. And now, let me just be very clear. Not every little girl is going to love this. I had three that loved it. It was awesome. But I would have my daughter, and I would kind of do this. And y'all hang with me, okay? I'd be laying down on the ground, and my daughter would kind of come up to me and say something. And I'd kind of, ah, you know, do that thing that you do on their belly. And she'd be like, oh, she'd run away. But then she'd kind of like just kind of make her way back, you know, and just kind of stand right in the same place and just kind of lift her shirt up just a little bit and make sure that I like ate up her belly again. You know, she was telling me she was having a great time with it. And so the more that I did it, the more they loved it. And I didn't have to treat them like little dainty princess dolls. Like I wrestled with them. I had a great time. Like if that's how you're shaped, do that. You don't have to apologize for it, but you better connect and maximize that thing that God has created you to do. All right. Now, I, hopefully I'm getting an amen or two on the chat. And ladies, you know, I mean, and I'll just, I'll be honest with you. <clears throat> Coming real close. My wife thought that was the sexiest thing I ever did. I thought... I needed to look a lot more like Brad Pitt, but if I would just wrestle those girls, my wife thought that was the sexiest thing I ever did. So just putting that out there, if that matters to you, I'm sure it doesn't, guys, right? Okay, so if you are like that, do it. If this is your son, if this is your daughter and they love just hanging out and playing video games, can I tell you something? Just hang out with them. You don't even have to be a video game player. I, I do zero video games, not on my phone, not online, not anything like that. But if I had a son who loved video games, guess what? I'd be next to him and I'd ask him, tell me what this game is about. How do you win? Um, you know, whatever it might be. That's the way that I would be, I would want to connect with them, which brings me perfectly back to Luke chapter 15. This passage of scripture, I told you last week, this is one of those passages of scripture that is one of my very favorites. And I wanna talk about these things to learn. Jesus shares three incredibly famous parables back to back to back. And all of them have the theme of something that is lost. First, it begins with a lost coin, then it begins with a lost sheep, and then it talks about the prodigal or the lost son. 
And let's talk about this for just a second. This is bonus material for you, okay? Each one of these things is lost for a different reason. As a matter of fact, they're lost for these reasons. The coin is lost through neglect uh, or an accident. The sheep is lost as it wanders off. But then the son is lost through rebellion, And it's an amazing view of looking at God and his view of dealing with the rebellious son who willfully makes the choice to walk away. And so let's talk about this very quickly. You and I see in the father this incredible idea of loving the son and being so concerned and engaged even when he is gone that he is desperate to have him back and the forgiveness is immediate and full and total and we even have some other pieces that we can learn from in this parable. But let me talk about three speeds for us to master. You may be saying, well, Randy, hey, look, truth be told is I'm not a guy who thinks about fatherhood. I'm not somebody who naturally does that. I'm not a good dad naturally. Here's what I would say. I want to talk real quickly about the different speeds that you can master that will pour into your kids' lives. And this is something that I heard from Kevin Myers, who is the pastor of 12 Stone Church in Austin, Texas. He said there's three speeds to master. That's the speed of life, the speed of love, and the speed of learn. And I want to talk to you about that from this parable, and you'll see it as I go through it. I'm going to do this kind of quickly, so follow along as we look. First, let's talk about the speed of life. The speed of life is where you accomplish important things in the realm of career, jobs, projects. That's a different speed. We know that, right? That's a go-go speed. That's a get-it-done speed. That's a get-up-early, stay-up-late kind of speed. And you know that that's a different speed than you have when you're on vacation or on the weekend, right? And so we understand this speed and truth be told, most of us as dads and fathers and men, we do this speed pretty well. About 80% of men are designed in this way and they do this well. Ladies, don't make them feel bad if this is their natural language and their natural speed. Let them be people who will provide and encourage you in this way and be a blessing to uh, their families in this way. And by the way, man, some of our best heroes in our world are men that are set at the speed of life and they're still making an impact in the kingdom. But look at Luke 15. You see the father and you see that actually the father is somebody who is pretty good at the speed of life. You can see it here. Jesus continued to tell the story and he said, there was a man who had two sons. The young one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, I don't know about you, But I'm going to just be honest with you. I have a few possessions, but nothing that people are going to mistake for something that they would call an estate. Can I get an amen, right? I mean, I don't have that kind of money or possessions. It's not an estate. It's stuff, but not an estate, right? But this man has an estate, and he divides it in two different ways. But then look on down in verse 17. When the prodigal son, the lost son, comes to his senses, what does he say? Man, how many of my father's hired servants... That means he has multiple hired servants doing the job. This guy is set at the speed of life and he is making a difference and an impact and it's a good thing. But you can see here, there's nothing wrong with being set to the speed of life, but you have to be able to to master more than just one speed if you're going to be a father who makes an impact and changes his world. So let's be very close uh, 
Let's look very closely. The speed of love also needs to be something that you can understand. There are the three speeds to master. First is the speed of life. The second is the speed of love. And that's where you slow down and you feed and you enjoy your most important relationships like friendships and family and those things that are important, not in the public sector, but in the private sector. You slow down and you know that if you take that speed and put it in this context, People get hurt. Now, I'm going to say that again. If this is your only setting and you bring it into this context, there will be people who are hurt by that because this is a whole different speed, a whole different thing that you're trying to accomplish and do. There's nothing wrong with this, but there's a problem when this is the only speed and it comes into this context. So you need to learn the speed of love. And let's look back into Luke 15. Do we see in this father the speed of love? And it says, beyond a shadow of a doubt, we definitely do. In verse 20 of Luke chapter 15, but while that young man was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and kissed him. There's no doubt whatsoever that we see that this father was tuned not only to the speed of life, but also to the speed of love. And then he says, this is a son of mine who is dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he is found. And so they began to celebrate. If you are a person who never has time to celebrate with your family, you are tuned into this speed, but you haven't learned this one. And I'm going to encourage you men, don't be so tuned into this speed that you forget how important and how impactful this speed can be and has to be. So you get that, you grasp that, you see that. And let me just say something very quickly. Matt Damon kind of quotes uh, actually Abe Lincoln who spoke about the fact that we have better angels of our nature. And here's what that means. It means that you and I have the ability to do more than just one speed and we do different contexts. But the problem for most of us is, is we think that's just going to naturally or automatically happen. If we don't be careful and if we don't be intentional in that area of our life that we struggle in, we're going to leave heartaches and heartbreaks behind us because we haven't been intentional. Now, I'm going to be very clear about something. One of the reasons that I want to say this, my wife was good as a parent when I didn't know what to do. And I thank my wife and I thank God for my wife. And I'm just here to say, ladies, if your husband is not necessarily somebody who automatically knows how to do things, you guys come together and don't pontificate to him. Don't tell him you gotta or you oughta, but instead come together and make a decision. One of the decisions, I even mentioned it last week, that has paid dividends in my life and continues to pay dividends in my life is that we have always set aside time for family dinner. And one of the things that I talked about last week was how we put the phones away. The kids weren't allowed. I wasn't allowed. Shelly wasn't allowed to bring the phones to the table. And so we would have about 30 minutes where we would sit down and eat dinner together almost every single day. We did it at least once with a lot of schedules going in a lot of different directions. You may be saying, well, Randy, I can't do that. All right, that's fine. Then do it every Friday night 
or do it every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or at least do it every Sunday afternoon or whatever it is. But you have to get intentional to say, I don't automatically slow down to the speed of love. So this is how I do it. And let me be very, very clear. You get on the same page and you stay on the same page as husband and wife, as parents. And let me say, say this as well. Some of your kids are on the speed of life and you need to be the person who can slow them down to engage in the speed of love and understand the differences. It's so important. You have to listen to the better angels of your own nature that will say, I know in my heart of hearts that I'd rather watch SportsCenter but I also know that in the long run, this is what matters. You remember what I was saying earlier? I was talking about how for many of us, those things that are the most important are not tugging on our sleeve and saying, today, do it today, do it today. But you know, one day, and I am living proof of this, one day before you know it, your children will be gone from your table and they will not be able to be eaten with every single night. And Sports Center will always be there even when there are no sports, right? I mean, please, Lord, send the sports back, but there's still Sports Center going on. And guess what? I can watch it every time I want to, but I only have a certain window of time to slow down and to love my kids and instill that in them. So important and so, so vital that you catch. Now, very quickly, the third thing that we talk about and we got to visit uh, about this is slow down to the speed of learn. And this is where you slow down enough to be the one who pursues knowledge and information about someone else. Let me say it this way. If you do life, you're probably worried about the project. Here in love, you probably are worried about people and just kind of getting along. But learn is where you slow down enough to go really, really deep. And I want to tell you a story at the very end of today's message about how my dad slowed down to learn on my grandparents' porch, and it changed my life. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about that in a minute. But here's this. Don't miss this. Do not miss this. It's right here. As a father, if you're tempted to lecture it may, need, it may mean that you need to slow down and learn first. Here's what I would say. There have been many times where I was ready to scold and to punish and tell my daughters what they were doing wrong. But the more that I found out, if I slowed down just a little bit, I did not have to punish them because the problem wasn't what I thought the problem was. And if you are a person who is constantly on the speed of life, you have wreckage in your past. Those are things that are heartaches and heartbreaks back behind you. If you slow down to love, it's good, but you have more of a surface relationship. But if you will take the time to slow all the way down to the speed of learning, then you begin to know your children. And I, I joked about this earlier. I have three daughters. And you can imagine probably what happened after the third daughter was born. Shelly and I had that conversation. You married people, you know exactly what I'm talking about. She asked me, well, do you want to try one more time for a boy? I was like, no, I'm not very good at this. I'm not good at making a boy. So I'm thinking, no. And she laughed and she said, well, we can try one more time if you'd like to have another child, if you really want to have a boy. I said, no, no, I can always adopt if that's important. I said this, and I stand by this, and I still mean this. I believe with all of my heart that my job as a father is to know my children. Not to just know them as a group, but I should know the things about Tori, and I should know the things about Taryn, and I should know the things about Tatum 
that other people might not know that are not as close to them as their own father. But the further out that it went, I realized that I had to put individual time into my individual kids and I had to learn what made them tick because those are the things that connect. And to this day, I believe that my children don't just look at me as a parent, but they look at me as a friend because we've spent time doing things that friends do. And I look at them as people that I still love to hang out with. To this day, I'd not rather be with anybody in this world than my three dogs. And, and Mitch too. Mitch, if you're watching, Mitch too, all right? He came uh, along to the, the party late, but he is a great young man and I think so much about him. All right, so let me just show it to you in this way. Have any of you guys ever seen a situation like this? Let's just click to this next. Let's be very clear. Uh, on your right-hand side, that lady's getting paid hundreds of dollars per hour, right? And the lady on the left is, you know, the person who's paying that hundred plus dollars per hour. But you know what's going on here? That person on the right is saying, tell me what's going on with you. And you know what they've found? They've found if you slow down as a physician long enough to actually sit down and speak to that person, you don't actually have to take as much time, but it will be multiplied and they will believe that you spent longer with them because you simply took the time to slow down, to humble yourself, and to connect at the speed of learn not at life or love. You guys with me? Can I get an amen? Y'all just tell me that you're with me, right? Amen. So here's what you can do. You can get down on your knee to your little child and you can look them eye to eye and say, baby, tell me why you're upset instead of me screaming at you to be quiet. You can say, what's upsetting you tell me and when you get down like this you're communicating to them that you are on their level you have slowed down to the speed of learning and they are knowing that you value them if you are a parent this is worth the whole price of admission today slow down to the speed of learn and when you do you will go deep with your children in a way that you did not know how to get there before if you've never thought about it. So very quickly, this brings us to learning from Luke chapter 15. Let's look at this. Do you remember the end of the story? The prodigal son comes home, the dad welcomes him, kills the fatted calf, puts the ring on his finger, puts the new coat on him. This son of mine was lost and now is found. We're gonna get together and we're gonna celebrate. That's the New Texas version, right? Okay, so as we look at this, it goes a little further. That's not where the story ends. The story ends with the other brother who never left home, but who has become bitter and has become lost in his own home. Listen to me. Listen to me, if you lose that son or daughter, grandchild, nephew, grandson, whatever it might be, granddaughter, those children who are under your own house, don't you dare think that just simply because you are in the same home that you are connected because you are not. This older son has become lost and he never left home. And you know as well as I know that there are people in our lives that we know in our circles of influence that have lost the heart of their kids and they never left home. 
They left a long time ago. It was just a matter of time until they left physically, but their heart's been gone for a long time. So you've got to be very careful and very intentional about getting back. And here is where the Heavenly Father, if you'll allow me to just say it, the the picture of the Heavenly Father that pursues at the speed of learn with the older child. Here's what happens. The older brother became angry, refused to go in and be in the presence of his father. By the way, physical distance that is constant probably is a hint of emotional distance that you need to pay attention to, okay? Just a little freebie to throw in. Okay, so go on. The father, the older brother would not come in. The father went out. Now, very, very clearly, the father is an important man. The father could have said, he's my son. You tell him to get in here. We've got something going on. He's not going to embarrass me in front of my guest. Get him in here now. He could have, but he was wise and he was full of grace. Instead, he said, I'm going to slow down, not at the speed of love, but at the speed of learn. And I'm going to go and seek out my oldest son and say, son, tell me what's wrong. What's going on in your heart? And let me be very clear. The heart has reasons that the head knows nothing about is the old statement. You can, you can love your kids and you can in, enjoy your kids and all these things, but if you do not connect with them on the heart level or if you just always assume that it's going to make perfect sense, you're going to lose those kids because you've got to connect with their heart to connect with them. So the father went out and he pleaded with his son, But the son answers his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. I've never disobeyed your orders. And yet you never even one time gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But this son of yours who has left and squandered all your property with prostitutes comes home. You're going to kill the fatted calf for him. The father doesn't get mad and say, hey, whose money is it, boy? It's my money. I'll do what I want to with my money. Is he justified? Yeah, but he's wiser than that. He slows down and he says, son, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this was your brother and he was gone. He was dead for all intents and purposes, but now he's alive. He was lost and now he is found. I mean, it is beautiful. The father slows down to learn what's going on in his son's heart. And this is where we find the big idea The father of scripture shows his strength, not by beating people down or telling them what to do or lecturing them. He overwhelms them by his engagement and his grace. He overwhelms them by his engagement and his grace. He's the father who's standing by the window waiting for just one glimpse of that son to come back. And when he comes back, he doesn't say, we're going to have to deal with this and talk about that and deal with these things. He instead runs to him and embraces him and says, everything is forgiven, son. And I'm going to tell you something. As a parent, you've got to be wise and understand where grace and permissiveness falls. But here's what I would say. There are times where the only way that you can reach your child is through incredible and overwhelming grace. And if you cannot get there, you do not fully understand the heart of the Heavenly Father. Do not understand the heart of the Heavenly Father that gives overwhelming grace, no matter who we are or what we've done. I want to just say something to you as we look at Galatians chapter 6. I talked about this last week. 
And we're just about to go into the I apply by and the story that I told you I would tell. Here is what I would say in Galatians 6. Do not be deceived. A man reaps what he sows. You cannot be a person who constantly reaps and sows at the speed of life and not ever at the speed of love and end up where you want to be. You've got to be a person who is not deceived and instead reaps where he needs to be sowing and where he is going to love to be sowing later on in his life. Very quickly, here's how you apply. You circle the strong area for yourself. Dad, what kind of dad are you? Are you a dad who does great at the speed of life but not so good at the speed of love and doesn't even know the speed of learn? Or maybe you do these two well, but the speed of learn is not something that you've ever thought about. I don't know, but here's what I do know. I do know that if you want to reach the heart of your children, these three areas, you don't have to apologize for how you have been shaped, but you have to maximize that to make an impact and change the world and the people around you that matter most. And very quickly, ladies, I want to challenge you as well. This is your apply by. What kind of man am I encouraging? Be very careful, ladies, because many of our men want to be that knight in shining armor for you, but we don't always know how. And we feel silly and we feel stupid sometimes. And your words and your encouragement go further than you ever realize. And I just want to encourage you, do this. Every time you see the smallest little hint or glimmer of a great father, that kind of action, that kind of attitude, that kind of focus, praise it and praise it and praise it to the heavens because that's what you will continue to get. Most of us as men, we want to be that kind of man. It's just hard. And we don't want to be worried about that constantly and that judgment can kill us. And worst of all, worst of all, it kills our desire to try. And so please, ladies, encourage and challenge that man to be the man that God has enabled them to be. Now, I want to just say something. I'm ending here today, and I'm going to put a picture of my granddad up here. This is my granddad uh, on my dad's side. And I told you at the very beginning that my dad is a pastor, and I'm here to tell you that you'll never meet a better man than my dad. Um, but this is his father, and you might think that because my dad was such a good man, that he, my granddaddy, was also a good man. Here to tell you that he was not. I know that I shouldn't be saying these things and I shouldn't be trying to, you know, throw dirt on a dead man or however you want to say it. My, my granddad has passed. He's been dead for a number of years. But he was not a good man. My dad did not come into being a great man or a great husband or a great father accidentally. He didn't see it modeled at his home. But what he did see is he saw a heavenly father that could change everything. And he pursued that path that he was taught by a godly mother. And so I'm here to tell you that you may be only one decision away from changing the legacy and how it filters down and ripples out. The changing world that we are living in right now desperately needs men who say, I will be an agent of change in my life, in my kids' lives, in my spouse's life, in my immediate and extended family, in my community, in my church. I, I've got things that I'm excited to tell you coming up in the next couple of weeks about men stepping into what God has created them alone to do and using it and maximizing it to be a blessing. 
But I told you I'd tell you a story about my dad. And I'll just tell you this story. And I'm going to do it quickly because I know that my time is gone. I remember sitting on a, on a porch swing in West Virginia, my mom's parents' porch with my dad. I was about to start 10th or 11th grade. And I was running with the wrong crowd, making a lot of bad decisions and doing a lot of dumb things that, praise God, he saved me from. But the consequences were kind of hanging over my head. And um, my dad had gotten an opportunity to start over in a brand new place. And he mentioned it and he called the name of the place. And we actually even went down and saw the place. And I wanted to move and he wanted to move. He just flat out told me, he said, I want to move. He said, how do you feel about it? Do you notice my dad slowing down to the speed of learning from his son? He wants to know what his 16-year-old son thinks about making a life-changing move. It's powerful. I said, I want to move. He knew I wasn't what I should have been. He knew that I was involved with a lot of the wrong people and doing some stupid stuff. I told him, I said, I want to move. And he said, I do too. But the problem is, is that your sister just started dating the man that she would eventually marry. He said, I cannot feel good about leaving now because your sister, I just feel it in my bones that God has put her together with this man so that they would be married. I was upset about it because at 16, the world revolves around you what works for you might not work for somebody else but oh well they'll get over it but I remember to this day realizing that my dad if that had been me he would have said no Randy's senior year is coming up so I'm not moving I want to but I won't because this is too important for Randy or too important for Marcy or too important for Lancia my two sisters I realized this guy who probably people think the most important thing to him is what you see when he's right here behind the pulpit, the pastor. I realized that that didn't matter as much to him. Three kids mattered to him. I believe with all my heart the reason I'm standing here before you and preaching to you today is because I realized possible to love God, to love your kids, and to do it in a powerful way. My dad impacted me because he slowed down. He listened to my heart. He listened to my sister's heart. He listened to God's heart. He learned. He was willing to slow down to learn. And when he did, it changed everything about my view. It won't come easy, and it's not normal, and it's not natural for a lot of us men, but it's the most important thing that you'll ever done, do. It is the legacy that you will leave. Don't miss it. and Think that these things that are more urgent or more, you know, important, they're not. They're not more important. The most important things in your life are not things, they're people. Those are the people that you'll spend the rest of your life with. Don't miss it. Make an impact and allow yourself to be an agent of change in your world in these changing times. Let's pray together.
Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for fathers who have been faithful to you. And fathers who have slowed down enough to learn from their children, to love their children. For those fathers who are great and amazing providers, and they're doing that to be a benefit and blessing to those who need that. God, there are so many speeds that our world is turning at, and it feels like it's higher speeds than ever before. But I pray that we would slow down enough to love and that we would even go so far as slow down enough to learn from those around us. And in the process, Lord, may we honor you and may we know that we are accomplishing your purposes. So today as we end, I just want to close in just a moment, but let me just ask you, maybe today you know you need to make a change. There's a speed that you know you're not hitting. You're not slowing down enough to love or slowing down enough to learn. Maybe that's where you are. If that's where you are today, let me encourage you. Let this be the catalyst for change. It will change everything for you, but it has to change. Let it change now with a prayer and a commitment. As I continue and end our prayer in just a moment, Let's go back and maybe right now you join me in raising your hand and saying, the Lord is speaking to me and I'm committing to him. Dear Lord, as we end our time around your word, may we reflect the God, the heavenly father that we desire to be like. And Lord, may we show in our engagement and our willingness to extend grace, the strength of a father, the way that you did. We love you, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity around your word. God, be with us all in every way and direction that we go. And Father, thank you for being our Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said together, amen. Guys, thank you so much for your time and for your attention. I thank you for tuning in today. And fathers especially, I just want to wish you a happy Father's Day. Love you guys. Proud to be doing life with you and appreciate you so much. Appreciate the impact you're making. We're going to end today the way we always do. And you can probably say it along with me. We have just heard God's word. Now let's go live it. God bless you. Love you guys. Y'all stay safe. We'll see you soon.